So good morning, church. No matter where you're tuned into or sitting, watching, observing part of church, I'd like to welcome Kingfisher FM, our local Mandela Bay Christian radio station, the online church, people watching from all over the world. I greet Robinson, a town, not a country, uh, this morning. I know there are some people uh, also watching from Central Africa, growing number of people watching from Central Africa, part of our online church. And also good morning to our Father's House Church churches, especially to Jeffreys Bay. Would you please welcome all the churches streaming in? Now, now, three weeks ago, we started a series titled Eden. We've done it before, and it's a, a, a deeper dive into the topic. And I started out by saying, I should have titled the first one, Pick a Fight. And then, ever since I did that, things have been on the war zone. Let me just tell you that almost no technology worked this morning uh, at church. The screens wouldn't work. Our computers got deregistered from platforms we've been using for 15 years. So it just seems I'm annoying something. So it's part of the series. It is what it is. Uh, I annoyed people at the beginning of the series. Kill and eat. I could have found a karma scripture. But here we are. We got to fight. We've been talking about how that work is a blessing and everything is work and that God has called us to win and winning requires warfare. That's a good summary, right? And God has put us in a place where we're supposed to cultivate and curate a future. And today is the last installment of that conversation. And um, I, I've titled it officially, A Place to Practice. I'll tell you what I mean in a moment. But the title I was going to give this message, I'm going to share with you anyway, uh, is, is, it's already on the screen. Um, I was going to reveal it slowly. And when I said that, Lloyd said, George, don't call it, like I'll preach my own sermon then if you're going to, like please don't do a message entitled, It's Not the Government's Fault. Now, now stay calm. Don't leave. You came all the way out here in the cold. Just stay calm. There's a reason why I've called it that. I started our discussion by actually saying, watch out for the lying serpent, that the devil is deceptive and tricking you into downgrading your expectations from life. Today, I want to talk to you about how important it is for us to break free from expecting change to come from the wrong places. Those of us who might have a hope that things will get better because business will be better or things will get better because government will be better or things will get better when you get married or things will get better when you have kids or things will get better when your kids finally leave the house. And I just want you to know in this new modern era, they never do. They you just pay for two houses now, then three and then four. That's just the way it is. But if your expectation is for, for deliverance, that's a big word, but for a future to come from the hands of any of those other uh, things I've just mentioned, I, I think we need to let it be known that that is not where our hope lies. You see, the truth is that government is led by broken people leading broken people. 
And before you say, oh, it's just a government thing, then Steinhoff. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going in deep, eh? Then, then money is often led by broken people who are manipulating broken people to take advantage of broken systems to make money out of a broken situation. Whether it's government or economics or circumstance or society, there is no eternal hope in those places. Yet, there is hope. And the hope is in Jesus Christ through a thing called the Bride of Christ, the Body of Christ, the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The solution to every one of society's ills lies in people finding Jesus, being discipled in a community, and then being sent back into business, back into government, back into education, back into their families, back into their worlds, and turning it around. That's the source. So I don't know why we keep disappointing ourselves. Like there's a constant sense of disappointment because we have false expectation in all the wrong places and we become lazy in building the body and hoping that the solution will come somewhere else. Dude, that was intense. But I'm calm now. I'm calm. Now, expectation really matters. And I to take you to the book of Joel about expectation. If you're uh, in South Africa and, and before the foodie and farm stall culture, if you took a road trip, trip anywhere in South Africa, there was one place you always stopped over on the road for a quick meal. Now, I don't want you to shout it out because I don't want you to feel embarrassed because now in the new foodie culture, we don't do that anymore. But every road trip involved a stop at a wimpy. I think you just have to own that. A wimpy breakfast was a must. And you had a wimpy breakfast even if it was lunch. It usually involved those almost too perfect looking eggs, toast that was buttered to the point of yellow. That was part of the culture of a road trip. And I did some years ago go on a road trip and I really don't want, I don't mean to, I don't want to offend too many people in one message. I feel that's, that's unfair. But I was in a rush and I grabbed a pie from a garage. Now, that was in the day before like garages had woolies. We said, now you can't say that anymore because a garage has like a 24-hour willies with prepackaged what, what. I just grabbed a no-name pie from a no-name place in one of those heating fish tanks. That I just assumed, <laughs> I just assumed was safe, and 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 do you know what? Uh, whatever happened to me after that is totally my fault because I should have known better. And that's really the 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 fundamental outline of my of my message today: the things we should have known better. Joel chapter two, from the NIV verse twenty one. Uh, says, surely he has done great things. I want to I be like super charismatic style and just repeat that, like until something, I don't know, I imagine something happening. Surely, God, he has done great things. You're the evidence of that, right? 
And, and I, I am calling today for the church, the people of the church, because the church is not a building, it's a people, to own our responsibility and our opportunity uh, to be the most significant influence in the world and to step up into that with confidence and with joy. Because I'm a little concerned that preachers have become motivational speakers and prophets have become psychics and the world has sort of divulged into the sort of play it nice thing, but God has called us to be a mighty army with a strong voice and significant influence to bring about change of life. Can you say amen to that? Um, yeah, there's, even in the back there's clapping. That's, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, old joke. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, um, uh, you wild animals. Okay, okay. Uh, I don't know if you saw who he's talking about, or some people in the here. Uh, for the pasture uh, in the wilderness, are be- pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. That's you and I. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the autumn rain. I mean, that's timely right now, isn't it? The autumn rains uh, uh, um, because He is faithful. He sends you abundant showers both autumn and spring as before. The threshing floor will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And I will uh, repay you for the years the locust has eaten. This passage of Scripture is so powerful. The next verse is very well known after this verse 25. It says, uh, And then I'll, afterwards I will pour out my Spirit on your sons and your daughters. And young men will, will uh, uh, prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. This passage of Scripture is a reminder that all things are renewed by coming into contact with God. They are not renewed by coming into contact with democracy. They are not renewed by coming into contact with break-even finances. Things are made new when they come into contact with God. And the world needs to be made new. Eden is our recognition, part of Eden is our recognition that God sent us here with a responsibility we can't hand over to a mayor, we can't hand over to a president, we can't hand over to an entrepreneur or the CEO of a company. They are relying, waiting on a word from the Lord, a prophecy, a vision, a dream, an instruction to make all things new. We've surrendered our role in society too much. So I sit back and I think, oh, if they, if they only, if they only stood in front of my driveway out on the street the other day and I thought, somebody should mow this. You know that little patch of lawn that's left after the Wi-Fi people? You know, the Wi-Fi people came, they dug all, they concreted it. Then other, other Wi-Fi people, what, what is going on? Can they not just, other, other Wi-Fi people came, they dug a hole next to it. Now I have got 0.4 square meters of lawn left. Now I must take a mower out there. I was like, this is nonsense. Somebody must mow it. Guess who that somebody is? I had a paving guy there. I said, look, I said, I'm not mowing 0.4 of a square meter of lawn. I think we must just pave it over here. He said, why don't we just chop out all the concrete, you know, and pave all of it. I said, it's upselling. It's called upselling. 
so that the third Wi-Fi company can leapfrog over the other two Wi-Fi companies and dig another. That was just a joke. I'm frustrated. All of us are frustrated by things not working well. But it is not the government's fault. It's the devil's fault. There is a spirit in this world and you are its solution. The spirit is destructive and you are constructive. The spirit pulls down, but you are called to lift up. The spirit is dark. You are light. The spirit is tasteless. You are salt. We're going to have to snap out of being passive spectators for the one life we've been given and step into being active representatives of who God has called us to be. There is indeed a responsibility and an opportunity upon us. You know, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sins and they get booted out and there's this thing, this curse that comes on the earth. Creation is cursed. That's why weeds grow faster than, you know, flowers. Have you ever ever noticed that? I've told this joke before. I go to water my grass and fertilize my grass and mow my grass and pray over my grass and pray over the heavens for the grass and then in the paving by itself, grass. Nobody's watering it. I'll take a kettle of boiling water over that grass. Tomorrow it's stronger. I walk over the grass where I want it, dead, dead, dead. I don't know what, it's just a reminder of the devil making jokes at us. And I see what's happened in society now, dandelions, you know, dandelions, there's little plants, little yellow flowers that grow in your grass. People have just given up. They're like, dandelions are nice. They're good, you can make a tea, you can take dandelions, you boil it, you just drink it. We are drinking our problems right now because we are too tired trying to get rid of them. How pretty is that little dandelion? Thorns, lovely. What an engineering feat, thorns with the three things. Look how fantastic they are because we've given up trying to fix it. So we pretend it's pretty. Is that kids' church? Awesome. Um, uh, Romans chapter 8 from the NIV reminds us how important our role is, that it affects even creation. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. In us. For the creation waits in eager expectation of the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Everything in creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choosing, but by the will of the one who subjected it, God, in hopes that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We made the problem in Genesis and put the world into a curse. And now God says, I'm going to give you the keys to solve the problem. The one who locked up the world in frustration and corruption is going to get the keys to unlock it and liberate it into life and freedom. You could... You could do a hundred marriage courses and hope for a great marriage, but the key will be a husband and a wife who loves Jesus and has been plugged into the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. Then the marriage courses simply teach you how great a thing God has done for you. But the one can't substitute the other. We can, we can vote for whichever, you know, we can vote for whichever leader we want. We can wish for the other and pray against the one. But let me tell you, until the people of a land hold to the values of the word 
in healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got broken people leading broken people in broken ways. There is no hope there. We've got to stop hoping for that and start looking at ourselves and going, you're the one called to mow that lawn and be the influence in the place God has called you to. It's very tempting to just hand it over. They should sort it out. But as it goes with the church and its people, so it goes with the nation and its people. And we've been lied to. We've been tricked into inactivity or tricked into internal conflict or shamed online by people who have no uh, other objective but to pull the name of the Lord down and embarrass the church and have made us shy. But you know, for some reason when we sing that song, don't get shy on me. There's something that happens. It's the language God's talking to us about. God is reminding us, you've got a voice, you've got to speak it up. And let me tell you, if you think it's like a third world country thing or an African thing or a South African thing, you'd be mistaken. You could meet people from any country. I'll take you to a couple of Greeks today who tell you the Greek government, useless. I'll take you to a couple of people today who'll tell you those Australians, too controlling. You can't do this, you can't do that. It's a broken system led by broken people. But our hope is in Christ. Why am I having a go at that? Because whatever future God has called you to, it will be uh, of your own creation by stepping out in faith, not by somebody else's creation. God has called you to an Eden of your own. Take charge. Take charge. I I want to share in order for us to be able to cultivate that idea, some pillars on how to find a voice, a purpose, and a function. It's not really as hard as sometimes we, we make it sound. Uh, purpose seems to become such a complicated thing. You've got to do tests to find your purpose and you've got to analyze things to find your purpose. But actually, our purpose is to be the fullness of Christ dwelt in us. Lord, would you, would you be fully formed in me? That's my purpose. To be a fully formed believer is my purpose. Now, while I'm in shape, in construction, under construction, I put my trust in the Lord. So there are four things that'll, that, at least four, I guess. I guess it'll be probably more. But there are four I want to share with you today on how to find your voice so you can take charge of what God has called you to do. First of all, I, I need to acknowledge that I am planted. Planted. This means that I believe God chose me for a time such as this placing me in the places I find myself for the season I find myself in and that none of it is accidental, coincidental and I am therefore not a victim. I am the planting of the Lord. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but those who, those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on His Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, 
prosperous. I have to recognize I am planted. I know that sounds obvious, but let me tell you what I mean. You've got to stop wishing you were living a different life and live the one you've got. Do you know, I'm really, I'm really worried that, I mean, should, should we dive into the AR thing for a second? You know, 10 years ago, you saw photos of another country and thought, geez, I wish I lived there. And now you're going to see something made up on your own computer and you're going to say, gee, I wish I lived there. And it's all going to be fake. And a fake life is going to woo you and dull you from living your real one. You might have to, I know this is, I know Gen Z, just be patient with me now, but you might have to put your phone down for like an hour and like just live. Maybe stop watching TikToks of people mowing the lawn and go mow the lawn. I don't know. I'm just just telling you. People watching like foodie channels, the most extraordinary food, while eating toast with nothing on it. Yo, that looks amazing. Polystyrene. I'm, I'm quite worried about that. You know, and, and everybody's somewhere else wishing they were here. And everybody here wishing they were somewhere else. And everybody in something, not focused on that, wishing they were in something else. You are being tricked by the devil that there is a mysterious version of you out there that you must find and you are being lied to not to live the one you have now with the people you are with now in the places you are in now. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Watch out for focusing on tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of its own concerns. This is the day. Live in the now. Live in the moment. Enjoy the moment. I think I told you the story, and if, if the former mayor, Ethel Trollope, ever hears me tell the story, he's probably going to be quite embarrassed, but um, don't tell him, okay, don't tell him. Probably listening right now, I'm going to get an SMS any second. My house used to be orientated facing another way, my lounge, just the way I bought it. And I was watching one day a TV program on the planet, you know, one of those David Attenborough shows, because I only believe it's real if David Attenborough... <laughs> Says it. I don't know what I don't know what it is about that. But if somebody else is doing an animal documentary, it's not him. I move on. I, it's nothing to be said. But I was watching this way, and it was a program about the wonders of the ocean. And he had come to visit. He had parked at the top, and he was in there, and he saw the orientation. And we took a seat, and he said, "You know, if you just turned around, you would see the actual sea instead of one on TV." He was right. You know, I have a view of the ocean, but I had my back to it. And you have a view of the future, but you've got your back to it. Constantly looking at some past thing, some past injury, some past regret. You're facing the other way and you're replaying on a screen what you wish you could have. If you just turn your life around and face the right way, you could have it. You just have to start walking. I'm super aggressive today. I'm on like four cups of coffee. Jeffrey's Bell, I'm sorry. I'm probably coming at you like intense right now. But I I think it's important to say I'm planted in the moment, in the now, in the place. I think think if you don't do that, you're going to live a weird life. It's not going to be real. It's going to feel consistently empty. 
and and we're going to sit around waiting for some mayor to fix it or president to fix it. I don't think they're going to get it right. I think it's going to be made right here in the house of the Lord. Uh, our battles are going to be won in God's throne room in prayer. Corruption's going to be turned around when people bow their knee to Jesus Christ. And as soon as you get going on getting people to hear the gospel, the sooner we can solve those problems. Um, but we have, I'm going to, can I lean in, can, can I just say one more like really like intense thing and then I'm going to be so nice afterwards. You won't believe it. Really, you won't believe it. Um, I'm worried that even in Christianity, we've become such spectators of life rather than participants in life that the church has become more like an aquarium of, and, and rather than fishes of men. I don't think, like, fishing is dirty business. It's inconvenient hours. It's baiting and waiting and waiting. I and J. <laughs> Two people. You happy with that, Mark? You happy? I was going to say, you know, never come to church, never, never walk alone. But then I thought I'm going to irritate football people and get other people to love me and hate me. It's like a minefield of appropriateness and inappropriateness. But um, can we get past the keeping of the aquarium? You know, there isn't going to be another new like thing we're going to put in the aquarium that's going to make the aquarium nicer to come to. We are meant to be fishers of men. And, and I think that that's one of the lies is to preoccupy ourselves without recognizing our influence in the world. I'm planted. <clears throat> Secondly, I'm productive. Uh, the Bible says that he who is planted by rivers of living water produces its fruit in season. Productive. You know, there is a, a, a huge deception out there at the moment that... Um, Nothing is ever enough. And you have to watch out for that. Uh, because I'm productive because I'm a worshipper of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. That makes me fruitful. The other things are important. But that temporary fruit, eternal fruit, is, is this pursuit of the will of God in my life. And it really is a pursuit. It's the pursuit of the will of God in my life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 says, uh, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. The longer I, I, I marinate in God, in, in the things of God, uh, the more aware I am that I can help somebody else. I can offer assistance. I can care for someone God's abundance in me um, makes me unselfish and keen to help somebody else. Unselfish and keen to help somebody else. And one of the most important things we need to uh, bring to the world is, is to think of others above ourselves. That's not, that's not common um, in society. It's common in society to, uh, to, to make people admire you so you can have followers. Uh, but what's common in Scripture is to become a servant and to 
and to build one another up and to actively think of ways of being productive. So let's make it practical. There's somebody you've got to call today and you've just got to be present in their lives and say, I was in church and the little Arab guy said, <laughs> said, said, see if my mother ever hears me say that, said, said, I must think of somebody I want to serve, I want to encourage, I want to be productive in their lives. You came to mind, I'm missing you. I don't see you. I am, I am less without you. Our place is empty without you. And I'm taking this moment to be a fruitful participant in your life. Not a critic. That's not fruitful. But to be present in your life and to produce fruit. To produce fruit. Um, I'm loving the season of meeting people through small groups. Oh, I'm loving it. It swells me with excitement. I have, I have four groups in a week. Three of them on one day. I am like human contacted out. In fact, Mike will tell you some Thursday mornings are like can hardly make it to work because I have a 7 a.m. men's group, 9 a.m. men's group, and 6 p.m. teenagers group all on Wednesday. By Thursday morning, I imagine that I'm getting the flu. <laughs> I've run out of all my 10,000 words for the week. I'm all done. I don't know what I want to say anymore. But I'm absolutely, I'll tell you what uh, motivates me. When I say in the, one of the men's groups, would somebody like to pray? And somebody says yes, and they pray for the first time. And no matter how they're going to pray, I'm already preparing in my mind the SMS I'm going to send later that day. You did so well. Stepping out in faith for your first prayer. I am so excited for you. I take a moment to pray, send a message and produce fruit. I, I think we have to do... Uh, the government's not going to do that. <laughs> Your boss is not going to do that. Ain't nobody going to do that but the body of Jesus Christ. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. It, 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 it is rebuilding. I'm going to... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you now, because I've got a little bit of time. If the clock is right, I'm not even sure about that anymore. The devil is a liar. Is that clock, is that nearly 10 o'clock? Yeah. I'm very saddened by that, because I've only got seven more minutes with you, and then I have to wait a whole seven days to see. You know, there's a very well-known verse in Isaiah 61. I bet most of the serious Christians know it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's the verse Jesus read when he was in the temple. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed or appointed me too. And he lists his mission statement. It's just really sad that our sort of memory capacity seems to stop at and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. Then we draw a line there. Sure, I can remember that. The next verse is a killer. And you shall rebuild the ancient ruins. And establish the cities 
that were desolate. How, how cool is that? That God has filled us with His Spirit to put us into a desolate place, a ruined place, a destructed place, a destructive place, and we're the rebuilders. One brick upon another, one relationship upon another, a parent to a child and a husband to a wife, and one lost from God, drawn near to God, and the prodigal son and the grumpy son, often the same son, pulling them back together. That's what I'm doing. I can't give that over to a the government. Shane, they're really taking hits from me today. Thirdly, I'm practicing. I'm planted, I'm productive, I'm practicing. Did you know that the reason why we're on this planet, I guess, is that it's be as big as that, is so that you can learn what you need to know to lead well in eternity. This is God's preparation ground for an eternal purpose. Your adversity for spiritual reasons. Uh, if you want a scripture, how cool is this one? Uh, Luke 19. I've used the word cool too many times today. I apologize. Luke 19. Uh, then uh, 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 he came to the first, uh, then came the first trial. This is the minas, the ten, five talents. Uh, and said, Master, your mina has earned ten more. And the Lord said to him, well done, good servant. Remember, when will, we, when will we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when we meet him face to face? Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in very little, you have authority over 10 cities. Everything we do here on life, in life is a practice for promotion. In the old days, they used to call it training for reigning. It's practice for promotion. And we need to do it well. And then the final um, uh, pillar that we need to excel at and not surrender to someone else, there is no other who's going to do that, is to be a prophetic voice. A prophetic voice. Now, I, I, this, this, could, this wording makes people quite anxious. And I get, I get it. I have been the victim and I am also the product of prophecy. I'm both of those. I've been the victim many times. People prophesying stuff, I don't know who they're talking about and I just have to shake it off because yeah. they're practicing. They're still at number three. It's okay. Can we amen that? It's okay. They can practice. But I'm also the product. When I got uh, born again, I was um, 14. That was, that was in 2000 and... <coughs> I'm not good with maths. Uh, I, I was 14. That year, I got baptized in water in the Natal KZN Midlands in the middle of winter, like this time of year, in a pool, an Olympic-sized pool. Uh, as of the more I tell the story, the more there was ice and things. There wasn't... I don't think so, but I, I imagine they used the chainsaw to cut a hole like they're, you know, fishing in the Arctic and they baptized me. And there was a Greek guy there, a businessman who was an elder in a church and he said, I'm a Greek, I will baptize him. Which is appropriate because we were equal-hearted and it worked very, very well. We could both be in the shallow end and it just seemed very appropriate. And just as he was going to, he had a word from the Lord 
And he spoke an encouragement of what God wants from me and wants to put in me and needs me to get my head into that I am still uh, unpacking in my life uh, 30 years later. And then the worship leader, as they always do, they had a song. I just wanted to get under the water and out of the water. We got a prophecy and a song. I'll never forget that song. I just know the primary phraseology was uh, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. No turning back. Some of you know it. You were also born again in the 80s. <laughs> I hope the, your, your 50s are working out well for you. Uh, so far. Um, uh, and, uh, but here's the thing. Uh, um, society can reward you after you have done well. Congratulations for the, the most sales this month. Here's your name on a wall, your photo. A, a, a government can come to the opening of your factory after you've built it. A minister of such and such is here to congratulate the CEO of this thing in Kucha or that thing in somewhere. It is only the Lord, though, who has your name on the wall before you do it. It is only the Lord who can tell you what will come from you, not just congratulate you after it has come from you. It is the Lord who can speak into you what you don't know is in you so that you stay the course and persevere because you just know it isn't, it isn't all out yet. It isn't all done yet. There's a little more in there yet. It is the voice of God that does that. And afterwards, Joel says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And don't take that too literal, like if you're having a vision, you're young, and if you're having a dream, you're old. I know how people's minds work. I still have dreams and visions. And, and here's why there is so much power in that. Um, if you don't have a vision from the Lord, you're going to be given a vision by somebody else. You are definitely living somebody's vision for you. And you're definitely living somebody's dream for, for you. Whose? Whose? When I was a teenager, I had to break free from living my parents' dream for me. Come to NMU, then UPE, get a BCom degree, and come home and help us pay less taxes. <laughs> you all want that. That was the goal. I do, at some point, I had to break free from that and face lots of disappointment and discouragement from that equation, then at some point you have to break free from the vision of, that you have for you. I had a picture, you know. I did all those courses. Draw a picture. What do you see in your future? When you're 50, draw a picture. Triple story house, double story. What's it going to be? Big fields, no field. Blonde wife, five kids, three dogs. That's not a hint. You know, it's, it's cool to do just to imagine, but what nonsense to bind yourself to that. 
Because what if the Lord, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. My thoughts are not as your thoughts. My ways are not as your ways. My higher are my thoughts than your thoughts. Better are my thoughts than yours. At some point you have to break your own dream about for yourself. And you have to let God substitute it with something better, more suitable to you, and more powerful than you could imagine. We're giving our future over to the wrong people. And we're getting our happiness from the wrong sources. Eden is, I have my space. I know my place. I'm filled with his spirit. I live on purpose. And if the enemy gets in my way, I'll have to deal with him. Because God has planted me for a time such as this. A a concluding scripture. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says, I've alluded to to the scripture a few times. I'd like to read it. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. I don't want the words that come from the Spirit of this world. I want the words that come from the Spirit of God. I have freely received and I am full of faith. This series, this conversation is devoted to the idea that I have to step out and take charge that I'm called by God with special gifts to do what no other thing on the planet can do. And that is to restore what was lost at Eden and make all things new again. He starts with me and then I take it into the world. I am made new and where I go, I make things new. God made a closing thought, I promise you know, the old joke was it mean when the pastor says in conclusion and then the answer is, it means nothing. A, 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 no, no, seriously, a closing thought, a closing thought. Um, uh, this is a, uh, uh, it's a big one. You, you could maybe unpack it maybe uh, in your um, devotions or small groups. Uh, God made an Eden so that man would be comfortable. It is our responsibility to create an Eden in which God is comfortable. God made a perfect place for me and it is my responsibility to create a perfect place for God to dwell by his spirit. I too am an Eden and I'm making an Eden. He planted trees in Eden, but now I am the tree he plants. Think about that for a bit. Maybe you come back next week. Would you please stand? Jeffrey's Bay, you good? Online, you good? Kingfisher, you good? I'd like to take a moment to pray. I want to place my expectation in the right hands. And I want to be inspired and, um, and motivated and fueled to live out what God has called me to live out. So let's let's take a moment to pray.
now, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for worship. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your spirit uh, at work in us. Uh, Lord, would you would you put back in our hands the things we are responsible for, and then would you give us wisdom and strategy um, to unpack them? Our hope is in you, Lord. There is no earthly system that can that can do what you can do. There is no wisdom of this world. There is no spirit of this world. There is no strategy of this world that can mend a broken heart and that can, can create a, a future for mankind. But Lord, you have called us to do that. You have called us to be, to be light in dark places and to be a word of wisdom in, uh, in, a, in a dark moment. You, you, you've given us the Spirit so that we might bring life wherever we go. Creation itself waits for the sons of God to set it free from its frustration. And Lord, today we pray that the spirit of frustration would be replaced by a spirit of redemption and renewal. That you will make all things new. And that you will cause for us to feel that new creation and to be new creation in the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Would you give God one more shout of praise and worship? And I really hope you won't rush off, but stay for a cup of coffee, a conversation, or a prayer in front. Communion on either side of the stage. Thank you, everybody. God bless you.